I have been uh, hired by some of the, the most popular companies. Like I, I've worked for Excel and um, Wells Fargo, um, GE. And what has been shocking though, even 20 years later, I'm still like only the only African-American in my department, even though we are screaming about diversity and inclusion. So it's still shocking to me 20 years later that that's still the case. That's Shanita Davis. Originally from Chicago, she relocated to Minneapolis over 20 years ago. Shanita's story of working at Minnesota corporations mirrors the experiences of many Black people working in the corporate world. Black people are regularly recruited to come to our state for these jobs. But are they supported once they're here? I'm Brant Williams. And I'm Jonathan Rabb. And this is Untangled Roots. Minnesota is home to over a dozen Fortune 500 companies, and recruitment of highly skilled workers is standard practice. But recruiting talented Black people to come to the state with a small Black population, 7% of the state's total residents are Black, can create a unique set of challenges for those Black employees. One of the first issues is having their skills measured equally to white employees. Jasmira Cologne is a New Jersey native who has lived in the Twin Cities for the last 13 years. She currently works in the nonprofit sector. You're going to have to work three times as hard as a BIPOC person just to get your foot into the door of like these organizations that you want to work at. Um, you know, we know it. We don't get paid as much compared to our white counterparts, um, especially if you're trying to find yourself in a nonprofit or whatever organization you want to work with. You're going to work. You're going to have to work three times as hard. Um, So yeah, definitely just be mindful of that. For many Black Minnesotans working in corporate spaces, the dream is to get into a Fortune 500 company and work their way up into leadership. But that dream is tarnished quickly when their hard work is overlooked. Dara Beavis is the co-founder of Wise Inc. Publishing. Dara moved to the Twin Cities with her husband for his corporate job in 2017. She shared some observations with NPR News about her friend group. When we moved here, we were immediately connected with the Black professional um, community here. I mean, we were immediately connected with people who were in high positions at General Mills and 3M, and the list goes on. I would say over half of our friends when we moved here in 2006, 2007 are gone. And these are people at the top of their fields. Um, We had a friend who was a neuroscientist, top in this field. He's gone. Why are they leaving? Um, They're leaving because when they're recruited to these positions, this is my opinion, when they're recruited to top positions in these corporations, they are recruited for a role. And I, what I, what I have, um, what I've observed is that when you're recruiting top talent of color, they have broken down barrier after barrier after barrier. They are not coming to a position to be in that position and content in that position in perpetuity, they are they are they are looking for they are already on a trajectory, and what I've seen over and again are these corporations not promoting these uh, talented people of color. Um, they are not um, they are not you know given um, salary increases at the same rate, and 
and there's not really a lot in it for them to stay. So you're recruited to a large corporation, you take a job, you relocate, and you work hard to make a contribution to your company. You're good at your job, but you don't move up. Your company grows, but you rarely if ever see anyone who looks like you move into leadership. What does that do to your motivation? James Burroughs is the Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer for Children's Minnesota. He previously held the position of Chief Inclusion Officer for the state of Minnesota. He warned of the dangers of hiring but not supporting Black workers. One of the things that I tell companies all the time, you can hire as many Black people as you want, but when I look and I don't see your senior leadership level has changed based upon people who have grown in your company, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing us a disservice because then you're just having smoke and mirrors. You're just saying, okay, come in, works for me, make a lot of money for the company, but we're not really going to promote you. That has to change. And then also, too, the executives that you have, you have to retain them. I can, I'm not going to mention company names because then I'll get in trouble, but there's some companies out here that used to have a lot of black executives that don't anymore and they don't have a pipeline of those that are moving up. That also, too, has affected that number as far as median income being lower because if we're getting these jobs and leaving, that's going to negatively impact it as well. You have historically black colleges, um, many of which are, you know, located in the southern part of the United States where there are more black communities. Um, you know, folks don't have to go far. You graduate from college there. You don't have to go far um, to find a community and a job and a career. Whereas in, you know, you come to Minnesota, you, you, you know, perhaps you've gone to school at the university here. What's your choice then of where you're going to start your life and career and so I think you're I, I think w I agree with what you're saying that if, if you don't have this um, a draw uh, you know some type of um, center cultural center for that folks can see as part of their future black folks who are you know it's like deciding how they're going to start their you know if they're going to their young people starting their lives do you do it here do you um, and, and be somewhat of a pioneer you know, in many ways, because that's what happens with a lot of black folks who are here. You kind of have to have a lot of times you're going to have to you're going to wind up being a pioneer. You're going to be the first black person maybe on your block and you're going to have, you know, very nice neighbors. But they're going to be like, oh, we've never had a black neighbor before. And they're going to ask you all kinds of, you know, <laughs> like questions that you may get tired of answering all the time, you know. Um, or do you go move somewhere where you don't have to worry about that? You know, it's like yeah. you you've got, you know, there's there's more. It's more like family. It's more like, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm starting my family right now. And me and my wife had a, have had numerous conversations about like, hey, we're going to have a black kid living in Minneapolis. Or we're going to have a black kid going to school in the world. Do we want our kid as a young kid to feel like they're the only one in a classroom? If they get put in... Um, you know, advanced courses. Right. Are they going to be the only kid that looks like them? Do they have to feel special? Because if they move to other cities, there are other cities with thriving black communities. Right. And the kid would not seem spectacular or super special mm -hmm. being in an advanced class in Atlanta. It's a big commitment to pack up your life and start over in a new place. But Minnesota can be extra challenging with its tendency to foster small and close-knit groups personally and professionally. It can be isolating to someone who's new, and even more isolating to someone who is Black. 
Dara Beavis has a theory on why these groups are sometimes closed off. I wonder if a lot of it is because Minnesotans are just simply, it's not part of their experience to be among Black and brown people every day in their lives, at the store, at the Vikings game, at work, coming from the coming from D.C., it's a different kind of atmosphere. White people, by and large, are, are transplants coming into D.C. and are expecting to be among people who are different from them. People who have lived in other countries, who have visited other countries, who have worked outside of the state where they were born. In Minnesota, it is a very different culture. If you never had to make space for someone who's different from you in your home life or growing up, it's not going to be top of mind to do it at work. Although it may not be intentional, it can have a negative impact. James Burroughs shared what he learned through his work with the state. From a systemic viewpoint, uh, systemic racism, uh, institutional racism, things that Minnesotans have done for many, many years, as Josie talked about in the 50s, if you were a majority white state, you do things as a majority white state would do. When you have a a large number of immigrants or have a large number of African-Americans, people from other races come to the state and you do the same things the same way, you get the same results. For Black people being recruited to Minnesota, the chance to build a career has to be measured by what you may gain versus what you may sacrifice. Does working for a large corporation in Minnesota mean you will always be one of the few or the only Black person working in your area of expertise? And is that enough to build a long-term future on? For many Black Minnesotans, these are questions without solid answers. And if more isn't done to change things, the answer increasingly may be to leave. Thank you so much for listening. Untangled Roots is a production of NPR News and part of our North Star Journey Project. Untangled Roots would not have been possible without the work of many people, including executive producer Sarah Glover, producers Twyla Dang and Brant Williams, hosts Brant Williams and Jonathan Rabb, sound design and mixing Alex Simpson, researcher Ann Harrington, with original music by Greg Grease. You can learn more about Untangled Roots, the North Star Journey Project, and find additional resources by going to the NPR News website at nprnews.org. Untangled Roots was made possible in part by the Minnesota Legacy Amendments Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.